for those who are more junior in their career, I've heard people say, I've never thought about how I want to get respect. I only think about how I want to give it. And then for people who are senior in their career, I think more about how I want to get respect, not necessarily how I want to give it. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast, where my identical twin brother and I share our thoughts and provide solutions for executives and professionals who want to become masters of speaking and communicating so that they can maximize their influence and impact. Yes, we are identical twins who happen to also be public speakers, executive coaches, and sales leaders. Our company, DSP Leadership Group, focuses on equipping leaders who want to speak with confidence and authority, all while using their authentic voice. Here on the Twins Talk It Up podcast, we present topics about communication and leadership from our perspective as individuals and as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Miscommunication and feeling a lack of respect can be ingredients for heartache and hurt feelings. That can also include a lack of productivity at the office. We've likely all faced these challenges within our personal relationship and with our professional coworkers. Our next guest is here to share how we need to go beyond stating respect as the golden rule. What about what is known as a platinum rule, which states treat others the way they want to be treated? We are honored to have a special guest with us today, Dr. Julie Pham, who I've known for a very long time when I was living in Seattle. Dr. Pham is the CEO of Curiosity Base, an organization developed firm in Seattle, Washington. And she's also the author of a couple of books of which her latest is the focus of our conversation today. That book is entitled Seven Forms of Respect, a guide to transforming your communication and relationships at work. Dr. Pham has been recognized with numerous awards for her community leadership. She has applied her community building approach to building strong, collaborative, and curious teams. She was born in Saigon, Vietnam, and raised in Seattle, Washington. Dr. Pham earned her PhD in history at Cambridge University as a Gates Cambridge scholar. And she graduated Madam Cum Laude, that's right, from the University of California, Berkeley as a Haas scholar. She earned her real life MBA by running her family's Vietnamese language newspaper during the 2008 to 2009 recession. She has worked as a journalist, historian, university lecturer, marketer, nonprofit executive, and management consultant. I can go on and on and on. We, we are going to take a deep dive today into the dynamics of workplace communication and relationships and how curiosity is the core of trust, respect, and collaboration. We're so excited to explore this topic and how we can foster curiosity in the workplace. Dr. Pham, welcome to Twins Talk It Up. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you, Danny, and with you, David. This is Danny. Your book was listed and recommended at AAPI Author Leadership Book. We're so excited. We want you to tell our audience a little bit about that and also tell us a little bit about your leadership journey and how you came to this point where you created this book that's going to really help the workplace. So let me start by just telling you a bit about my background. So I was I was born in Vietnam. I came to uh, the U.S. as a boat person as I was two months old with my parents. And that's a really important part of my identity, being a Vietnamese refugee. And my parents founded this newspaper to serve a growing community of Vietnamese entrepreneurs in Seattle. And so I think of uh, their entrepreneurs who are serving entrepreneurs. And um, and I, I, so I, was, I grew up being proud to be a refugee. 
uh, and that being a refugee means being resilient, being being creative, um, uh, being entrepreneurial in spirit. And so that's a really strong part of my identity um, and being scrappy as well, just being really, really scrappy. And so you mentioned I have, I've gone through all of these different careers and, uh, and getting that real life MBA when I worked with my family, that was so instrumental in learning how to build community because I went from being an academic uh, to learning the, that entrepreneurship, I feel, is the essence of human creativity because you can build all of these products and services and yet if people don't want them, it doesn't matter. So you have to adjust. And so, um, so that's been a, a really big part of my, uh, my identity. And then I founded Curiosity Base in January, 2021. I left my, the best job I ever had as a nonprofit executive in the middle of a pandemic. And I, I decided I wanted to have more impact and also to be able to own my work, to be able to say, this is my work and to, um, and to promote and also contribute to more leadership narratives written by women and people of color. Because one of the things that I kept seeing as working as someone who's advocating in diverse, for diversity and leadership was that people talk, about, uh, people talk about it in terms of representation. Hey, let's get more women and people of color in leadership roles. And yet what I was seeing was the majority of leadership narratives are still written by white men. And so we can have different actors and they're reading the same scripts. That's the analogy I like to use. And what we need to do is to expand the pool of leadership writers. I love texts by white men. And I also think that there's room for so much more. And so that's one of the reasons why I started my, my business. And I'll just say that um, I remember when I told my dad that I was gonna start this, that I was gonna leave my job in the middle of the pandemic. And, and I, was, I thought he was going to say, I thought he was going to say, oh, that's a bad move. And he said, I'm so happy for you because you're going to have freedom. And I love that. I love that. Yeah. This is this is David, Julie, and I love that your father supported your desire to get out and say, I've got a message. I've got an opportunity to make an impact beyond this scope of where I am, and I want to go start this company. So give me and our audience a picture of why Curiosity Base. Because we all interpret, we all internalize concepts like respect, pride, a little differently. So tell us why curiosity, because I've got to believe that as a child, I never grew up. And so I'm still intrigued by other people. I still want to learn about who they are, why they do what they do, what drives them, what motivates them. So curiosity has to be encouraged. Is this why? Curiosity Base was formed, and how do you use that? I I think as when we're kids, we are naturally curious, and yet curiosity actually kind of gets beaten out of us. The more the older we get, the more that we work, especially in big uh, big corporate work environments, because it's just like, oh no, you have to fit this mold to succeed, right? And so it came from actually a lot of my community building work, and what I saw was, I mean, community building get it coming together, people coming together from diverse backgrounds, and there's not necessarily a financial incentive to be together. And those who really thrived 
I realized were those who practice curiosity. And I want to say practice curiosity. Mm. It's not about having curiosity. It's about practicing curiosity. Because I liken practicing curiosity to practicing meditation. Meditation looks easy because you're not doing anything physical. It's actually about being still. And with curiosity, it's that way too. It's actually really difficult. And there are going to be days where it's easier than others. And so it's always for, um, it's, it's how do I lean in and listen? So all of the, the practice of curiosity, I'll say, is boiled down to three things. The first is increasing self-awareness. The second is building relationships across difference. And the third is communicating clearly. And when you take that through a curiosity lens, what that means is being curious about yourself. So that's the self-awareness. The second one is being curious about other people and letting other people be curious about you because that's reciprocity. And you need to have reciprocity in a relationship. And the third is asking questions and listening with curiosity. And that's also core to whenever we take these big approaches, a big concepts of respect, it's like, no, let's actually get curious about respect because what I find is people think it, it's fixed and it's universal. And I encourage people to get curious about it and get curious about how we think about it and also how other people think about it and that we could be thinking about it differently. I love that, uh, Julie. This is David again. And what I really appreciate is your emphasis on we've got to practice curiosity. And I know for me, I'm not the most patient person in the world, but I know that when I calm my mind and I'm able to just sit still and meditate, it actually helps me to focus. It helps me to align what I want to get accomplished in the day or the week, what have you. And it actually, I think for me, it gives me a sense to just pause for a moment. This world is going so crazy, so fast. And yet when we get into corporate America, you might feel like you have to just get along or just fall along or fall in line rather, instead of having this sense of no, let's be curious. And I've seen in our interviews that the organizations that seem to have the most growth or let's say more dynamic growth have been the organizations where the CEO or the C-suite have embraced ideas They've given the freedom for their staff employees, their rock stars to just do whatever they believe is best for the overall organization. And that's how organizations have thrived. They've taken this sense in my mind of what I'm hearing, Doc, uh, the spirit of curiosity, and they've grown in a way. Dan mentioned in the very beginning, he talked about the golden rule. He talked about the platinum rule. I've heard you refer to something different called the rubber rule. As we dive into your book and we talk about respect. This is the rubber band rule. I've now it's evolved to the rubber band rule. <laughs> okay, it, yeah. How do we evolve this to the rubber band rule? And, and so maybe in the spirit of what we're talking about, Doc, what does respect mean to you? And how does this apply to the rubber band rule? So there's what respect looks like to me, but I'm first going to start with actually with the rubber band rule. Whenever I ask people, what does respect mean? They talk about the golden rule. And the golden rule says, treat people the way that you want to be treated. Well, what if they don't want to be treated the way that you want to be treated? And then the platinum rule, treat people the way they want to be treated. Well, what if they don't tell you? Or what if it changes? And so the rubber band rule reflects how I think we intuitively, intuitively treat people with respect, which is that we're flexible, is that we stretch and that we change kind of depending on who we're interacting with and how we think that they want to be treated, and also what we are personally willing to do for that person. And so we are able to flex and stretch, and yet 
there are times where we find ourselves doing things that make us uncomfortable, that maybe even compromise our integrity. And here we are, we're stretching, we're stretching, and we can actually snap. And that's why I call it the rubber band rule, because if you pull a rubber band too, too hard, it will actually snap. And so it's important to understand, well, what are our internal breaking points? And so that's why I call it the rubber band rule. We can actually flex, but there is a point of, of, of snapping. We'll be right back after this short break. I am delighted to announce that App Meetup's customers can now benefit from the presentation and speaking training courses with our integration and partnership with DSB Leadership Group. DSB Leadership Group is committed to providing training and resources to support professionals becoming more effective communicators and increase their impact and value. And that is the reason why App Meetup and DSB Leadership Group have formed a partnership to make sure that our MSPs, which is you, can be effective and powerful speakers in the community. Whether you are hosting a major conference, a specialized training, or a year-end corporate event, finding the right keynote speaker or breakout speaker should be at the top of your priority list. Partner with Elite Speaker Services to book speakers according to your specifications and needs. Elite Speaker Services has the depth of speakers and the experience to bring you peace of mind and a successful event. Go to EliteSpeakerServices.com for all your event needs. Let us deliver the message your audience needs to hear. Let us deliver beyond your expectations. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners. 20% off products or services on our website. Just send us an email with the subject line podcast and we will send you that special discount code at dsbleadershipgroup.com. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. This is Danny, and I appreciate you saying that because we are looking at this, and this is like profound in my mind, is that, yes, we can be stretched for so long. And it is true. When that rubber band does snap, it hurts if it hits you. And I don't want to be around when someone snaps. So that is, that is a great uh, insight. And I want our audience to understand that, you know, this is, a, this is profound in my mind. And what I want to really do is get more into your seven forms of respect, because we know that from research, the most people, when they leave an organization, they don't leave because necessarily they don't enjoy their role. Sometimes they leave because of other reasons. And no, normally those reasons are leadership. Normally, those reasons is the manager. Uh, they don't either feel valued, they don't feel respected, they don't feel re- appreciated. So we're intrigued by the way you promote respect on these multiple levels. You have this following framework. It's this seven forms of respect framework, procedure, punctuality, information, candor, consideration, acknowledgement, and attention. How did you come up with these? How did you identify these seven forms of respect and tell me a little bit more about this research and how you came up with this discovery. This is this surprising discovery. Mm-hmm. So the, the framework is based on three parts. The first part is my lived experience. So growing up bicultural in the US, someone as uh, Vietnamese growing up in the US and then as an adult living in the UK, Germany, France and Vietnam and seeing that respect means different things. 
The second one is my 15 years of experience in community building, facilitating collaboration among those from diverse backgrounds. And I would see these natural, this friction that would pop up because people would just have different ideas of how they wanted to be treated. And I'd hear people say, I want you to respect me. I feel disrespected. It's like, but I am respecting you. I think that they're being respectful. And what I saw was, oh, there's just different ideas of what that means. And then so I started to dive deep into this and I started to conduct focus groups and workshops and interviews and to develop an assessment. And so ultimately we talked to over 400 people and, um, and we had an idea in the beginning it was like, well, maybe there are six. And then it, and through the research and listening to people, it was really just listening to people and listening to people describe how they wanted to be treated, how they have been treated, how they don't like to be treated and just collecting those stories and then just starting to sort them. So that's where, that's where it came up with seven. And I will, one of the big misconceptions about the seven forms of respect is that you have to be respectful in all seven ways. And that is not the case. It's actually about understanding what are the forms of respect that I prioritize and that I don't prioritize. So a good, if, for those of you, for those of your listeners who are familiar with the five level languages, you can think about it in terms of that. And this is, um, so it's not so much respect style. So some people think of this as like, oh, is this like the Enneagram or Myers-Briggs? And what, what is my, sometimes people ask me, oh, you know, do I now tell people these are my forms of respect? And I say, no, because it actually depends. And that's another thing we kept hearing when, when people talk about respect, as much as they'll say, I want to be respected. Well, how I want to be respected depends. And so that's what the seven forms of respect goes into. It's, it's understanding, well, what does it depend on? And to show that actually respect is dynamic and it's relative, it's contradictory because humans are contradictory and it's subjective. This is David Doc, and I appreciate you sharing that. And what's really interesting about it, you mentioned the five love languages. And so for me, when people say, Dave, what's your love language? And oftentimes I'll say, it's very clear. It's words of affirmation. Tell me I'm awesome. Tell me I'm incredible. Tell me that I'm the greatest since whatever, and I will do anything for you. And that will make me feel like I can take over the world. And yet at the same time, <laughs> when I was going through your forms of respect, I started looking at the word attention and it just stood out to me like, okay, is this David wanting attention? Is this David wanting to be in the limelight? But yet you break attention down even differently in terms of respect. Can you talk about this form of respect and why it was so intriguing for me when I saw it? So a lot of people, when they described how they wanted to be respected, they said, I want to be listened to. Yeah. I don't want someone to be multitasking. I don't want to be interrupted. And so that is what attention is. It's just that, that concentrated listening. And for some other people, it's just like, that's not a big deal. It's multitasking as a form of perform as a sign of performance. And, and it's not a big deal to multitask. It's not a big deal to interrupt one another. And so this is why I, I really make it clear. If you don't prioritize that form of respect, that particular form of respect does not mean that you are disrespectful. It just means that you don't prioritize it. And so that's what I want to be. There are some forms of respect that people will prioritize, you will prioritize, and others that you won't prioritize. Here's the thing, though. We often, sometimes we won't admit that. Mm. Because, you know, it's just like, oh, it kind of feels, is it, does it feel, self, I've, I've been asked, isn't it self-centered to say how you want to be respected? Isn't it kind of 
and, and for some people it can feel cringy. I mean, even for me, so acknowledgement is, is one, which is expressions of gratitude and praise. And for a while it was like, oh, is it kind of, kind of feels cringy to say like, that's actually how I want to receive, how I want to get respect. Yeah, and, yeah, and that is important to me. And so part of this, the framework is to give people language so that they can say like, this is what I prioritize and this is what I don't prioritize. Um, and I'm very clear actually about using the word prioritize versus the word values because values means it's never changing, right? We always have this. Prioritize means what's the situation and what am I gonna prioritize in this situation? And so, so there's the seven forms, which again, it's not about getting all seven because we will be exhausted if we try to be res show respect in all seven ways all the time. And sometimes they can actually be contradictory. Sometimes they can clash with one another. Uh, and then there are the, the different dimensions of respect that kind of explain the dynamics. Julie, you mind if I jump in again? This is David. I, I, I wanna share with our audience today, Dr. Pham mentioned something very important. She said, prioritize. You don't want to get to a point where you're doing what we call paralysis by analysis. You're sitting there and you're looking at every one of your employees, every one of your staff members. And before you say everything, you're trying to calculate every little aspect of your language, your tone, your, your pace of your speech. You're trying to figure all these things out. And in reality, nothing will get done. We don't want you to have a sense of uncomfortability where you're filled with anxiety. I believe what Julie is talking about here is you've got to grow in your sense of awareness. And when you look at people with that spirit of curiosity, you're just intrigued. What makes them tick? What gets them excited? What, what are their buttons that you don't want to push? Then you're understanding how to really take this platform and use it for the different people that are going to be around your circle, your sphere of influence. And I think it's so important that we understand that we prioritize this based on the fact that we are curious about what's going to help bring the best out of these individuals that we're working with. And I love how you said that. So I don't want anybody here to, to be overwhelmed with this or to feel like, well, I guess I can't be around people. No, we want you to be around people. This is going to help you to be aware of who you are, aware of who they are and how to bring the best out of them. And when you bring the best out of people you're working with, trust me, you're going to increase productivity and you're going to increase profitability. I love that we're having this conversation because it's not just about you feeling like I was hurt, do they also feel hurt? It's not just about, do I feel appreciated? Do they feel appreciated? And I think this is why this conversation is so important. So Julie, I'm, I'm really grateful we're having an, a conversation about this and I can't wait to see what else we're gonna uncover in our time together. This is Danny. And I'm gonna say that uh, just for those individuals that are listening to the audience, if you're into sales, this book is perfect for you as well. Sometimes I think about my relationships with my clients if I'm not curious, it can come across very um, salesy. So there's also the form. There's also the ability to respect the person you're speaking with. Not every client wants to be sold to. Some clients just tell me the truth, give it to me. I don't have that. I don't have much time. Other clients, hey, get to know me, get to know my family, understand that I want to build a rapport with you first, and then I'll open up and and give you anything you need in order to help you get your product to my organization. So I think this applies not just in a work environment, but can also apply when you're dealing with customers. So I want to make sure our audience knows this, this is very applicable for you as well. Uh, thank you for highlighting and, and talking really about the seven forms of respect, Julie. One I want to think I would like to ask is, can you touch on the three dimensions of respect? You have your hierarchy, direction, and what matters to you. Yes. So this is, 
this is getting at how respect is dynamic. So the first one is hierarchy. So that is those the power dynamics. Those because the fact is we will we we may give respect differently to those who have more power, those who have equal power, and those who have less power. And so when we talked about the customers, this is not just for those who are working on teams. This is also this could be for the solopreneur. And you know who has more power than you oftentimes? Your customer. And you know who has less power? Your vendor. And maybe you're the people of equal power, those, those other consultants who are working, you're working together to, to fulfill a contract for a client. So it works even if you only have, it's only you at your company. And, and so that first dimension just acknowledges that we do treat people and have different expectations of how we want to be treated depending on that, on uh, informal and formal power. So the second dimension is give versus get. It's this direction. So what we also saw was that how people want to give respect can differ from how they want to get respect. And an example of this is perhaps you like to surprise other people, but you don't like to be surprised. Yeah. Think about think about someone <laughs> and think about that person who always gives you unsolicited constructive feedback. And yet when you give that person unsolicited constructive feedback, they don't like it. Think about there are people who you will always, uh, maybe you, you don't care that much about punctuality, about giving punctuality, um, and yet you get bothered if someone comes late to your meetings or vice versa. And that could also depend on the power dynamics. Right. So maybe it's you think it's okay to be late to um, a meeting with someone who has less power than me because they'll understand. They'll understand that I've got other things going on, but I better be on time to my meeting with my customer. And when it comes down to it, is we have to prioritize because we can't do the thing that is ideal to do all the time. We are constantly making decisions about priorities. And the third dimension, and this one actually requires the, the uh, lot of self awareness is what matters to you. Because this is different from what should matter. How we think about respect is actually, we, we've been socialized to think of respect in certain ways, in certain forms. And sometimes we keep hearing it to, over and over again, we think, oh, well, that's what we should do. And yet people don't ask, does that actually matter to me? Do I actually care about that? Will I do it even if it's inconvenient? even if I know the other person doesn't care. I will do it because it matters to me. Versus I will only do it if I know the other person wants it. So I can, I can stretch, right? That stretch part, right? And then the, one, the last one is what doesn't matter at all. And actually, I don't think it's respectful. Even if it might be the norm at the office, I actually don't think it's respectful. So I'll give you an example of each. Oh, and part of this is actually to be aware of this is to actually listen to our body and to listen to our feelings and to sense that discomfort because oftentimes we're not going to say what matters to us. Doc, this so, is David. I, yeah. I got to ask you this, if you don't mind me just <laughs> yeah, jumping yeah. in. This is really getting me uh, going down memory lanes here because we grew up with a, an Asian mom and there there's a sense of, uh, a lot of mothers, and I'll just say from my mother, there's for them the sense of expressing love when they tell you what to do. Mm -hmm. And they give you all these directions. They have comments on everything you do. You do routines every day, but it doesn't matter. You could do it differently, do it better. 
And yet, if you turn around now that you're a quote unquote an adult and you try to say something contrary to them ask or telling you, or you try to give them input, then it becomes, oh my gosh, why are you trying to teach me? And I'm teaching, you know, you're raising me now. It's, it's kind of an interesting concept, but a lot of moms are like that. And especially for our culture. And then I started laughing because I thought about, I love to serve. That's, that's one of my gifts. I love serving, but I don't like being served. I, I love giving gifts, but I don't like receiving gifts. And yet, when I think about the people that are closest to me in my life, a couple of them are givers. And when they give and they know me, at least I think they do, um, I have to think to myself, okay, shouldn't I not receive this with grace? Should I not let them know that I appreciate this, even though it might make me feel uncomfortable? That to me was interesting that you brought that up because I don't like to receive gifts, but I know them. So I'm going to receive it and be gracious and thank them anyways. So I just had to just throw that out because I started laughing, thinking about my mother as awesome as she is and how she might not like to receive that same uh, spirit. And I thought about our bosses, like you said, perhaps, well, I, I'm an entrepreneur, so I don't necessarily have a boss, but when you think about your boss, you might treat them differently than somebody that's your subordinate. So like you said earlier, I show up on time. Well, if my boss doesn't show up on time, I guess it's okay. And that's not necessarily showing the same type of respect. So I, I just really started going down memory lane. So please forgive me for doing that. I, I really, really am enjoying this conversation, doctor. Thank you so much for sharing that because it just illustrates that respect is contradictory. And it's, and that's okay. Because sometimes we can feel, oh, I'm just being, am I being a hypocrite? That's what I hear people once, once this kind of comes up and it's like, oh, am I being hypocritical that I have different expectations? It's like, no, it's actually kind of just human nature. This is David. If you love the content that we're delivering, especially because of the guests that we're able to bring on, make sure you subscribe to our program so that we can continue to bring on incredible leaders like Dr. Julie Pham onto our program. Uh, I have to ask this question because we talk about respect. We're talking about uh, prioritizing. Um, I wanted to address the elephant that's in the room. We're not saying that you have to walk around like you're on, you know, avoid walking on eggshells. We're not saying to be dismissive of other people's feelings. We're saying that you have to acknowledge, or at least I believe what Dr. Julie is saying, you have to acknowledge that other people may perceive respect differently than you. And it doesn't mean that you're intentionally disrespecting them. The more you get to know the people that you're working with, the people that are in your life, you'll understand better how to respond to them and how to set them up for success. So I wanna talk about this concept of being intentional. Can we be intentional with learning about our coworkers, our peers, our neighbors, without feeling like we are going to be disrespectful? So how do we do that if there are cultural differences? You've got uh, now a shift in our co uh, corporate culture where we're talking about uh, minorities and we're talking about women and we're talking about putting people in different roles. How can we be intentional without being disrespectful? So, I'm going to take a step back. And before we can be intentional with other people, we actually have to be intentional with ourselves. Because a lot of times people don't even realize how they want to be respected. How do I want to be respected? Because I've been socialized to expect certain things or to give certain things. And, and like that going on that third dimension of what matters to you, people, asking people to really think about that. Because before you can communicate to other people, what you want and to ask them what they want. I think it's really important to reflect on like, what, what do you personally 
want? What matters to you? And so going back to, I was talking about the, how the feeling in the body, right? And so, um, so for example, maybe it's, how often does this happen? Oh, it's not a big deal that you're late. No, really, I don't mind that, <laughs> right? And we don't say it, right? We don't say it. And, and maybe, maybe we even rationalize, oh, it's not a big deal. Don't be upset about it. And yet, remember the rubber band analogy. It still actually is because you're stretching and you're stretching and you're going to snap and you didn't even realize why. Because you weren't aware of your internal breaking points. You're thinking that it's good to be flexible. And yet it's also really important to know which forms of respect matter to you. And then to be able to tell other people, you can't have that conversation with someone else until you are clear about what it is with yourself. So going back to, you can't be intentional with other people until you're intentional with yourself. You got to be curious about yourself. There's so many times people, I've heard people say, I didn't even know, um, for those who are more junior in their career, I've heard people say, I've never thought about how I want to get respect. I only think about how I want to give it. Yeah. And then for people who are senior in their career, I think more about how I want to get respect, not necessarily how I want to give it. So, um, and then, so going to the, the second part of your question, David, of, of how to be intentional with other people is, it's, it's really, uh, this framework is actually about sparking conversations. Again, it's not about respect styles because it is not fixed. It's actually about, hey, what do you think we, what, what matters to you in this situation? And then why? Tell me, tell me, tell me the stories behind that because people remember stories. And, and if you volunteer to share your story first, because you've asked yourself, I mean, the, what you just shared, David, about you grew up uh, with your mom having certain expectations. And so, you know, and then the second part, just like, well, why does that matter? How has that influenced you now? How have, how has your, your interactions with your mom influenced you now? I can tell you punctuality is really important to me because growing up, my mom was always late. I was always the last kid picked up from school. And I felt a lot of shame because the school staff had to wait with me. And I just said, when I grow up, I'm not going to do that. And so I was reacting in opposition to my mom and other people could have the exact same experience and say, what's the big deal? She's busy. And I get that she was busy, but still. I felt this intense shame that then now makes me really hyper aware of punctuality where I will feel it in my body, right? And so, and if I share that story with you, you will understand so much more. And, and, if, and if you are someone who doesn't care about punctuality and you're just like, Julie is so rigid, Ugh, all about control. And yet, if I tell you that story, you have a much better understanding of who I am. Mm -hmm. So this under this intentionality part is actually, it's, it's asking people, that first layer is just like, okay, well, how do you, um, how do you want to be treated with respect? What does that look like? Is it, do you want to be CC'd on emails, on all emails, or only the ones that you, there's an action for you? Because for some people, and that's the information form of respect, some people, they just want to know. They just, they feel excluded if they're not on that CC line. And for other people, they're just, please don't fill up my inbox with this. Can you just respect my time. And yet it's like, well, what do you mean by time? Respecting time. Do you mean I'm giving you access so you don't have to ask me for it? Or does it mean I'm only giving you things that you think I think you need to know? And so it, it is that second part is like the, the, the having conversations and understanding that we all have different um, uh, 
different preferences and priorities, and even like what is it that we need in this stage of the work? Um, and, and so with that and understanding, and I'll just say one last thing, and Danny, I know you have a question, is that a really important part of my work is we belong to multiple cultures and identities simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And we have to navigate that. There is no, I don't like to ever say, oh, women like this or men yeah. like this. You've heard sometimes people will talk about um, CP time, right? And, and yet for a lot of people, they're like, I'm a person of color who really cares about punctuality and it has, and it's, or that, or maybe I don't care about punctuality and it has nothing to do with that. We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Paul Jackowitz of pauljackowitz.com. For all your website design and management needs, visit Paul Jackowitz. That's Paul, J-A-C-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z.com. Are you projecting the right image to your market? Are you optimizing your name recognition and presence online? Elite Public Image is a leader in strategic communications and marketing solutions, ranging from public relations, brand communications, and content marketing strategy to social media and reputation management for businesses, professionals, and VIPs of all types. Whether you're looking to develop a spectacular brand or need a brand refresh, look no further than Elite Public Image. Visit ElitePublicImage.com and let Elite put their experience to work for you. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners for a free consultation over the next two weeks. Visit our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. This is Danny, by the way. I love that. And I, I do love the fact that there's a big difference when it comes to the culture. There's a big difference when it comes to the gender and everybody cannot be lumped in a category together. And, and I, I love how you brought up uh, CP time. <laughs> I grew up with that as well. Uh, my military background, I'm always, mm -hmm. I, I always do my best to be on time, to be Absolutely. punctual. I walk out the house, I, I put on my best self. You won't see me walking out the house with, with clothes that have wrinkles in it. That's just who I am as a person. And Danny, that um, is also really that, that experience of being in the military. Mm -hmm. Hierarchy is really big in the military, right? There's so much of that experience that all these layers of our experiences that will influence your, your priorities. And your it does. You're absolutely right. And I remember the fact, even in corporate world, I see that in the corporate world a lot, similar to the military, that in the corporate world, when a C-suite walks in the room, everyone's just like in awe. It's just, okay, that's the leader. And they have this presence about them. And when I speak to them, I'm going to speak to them a certain way compared to if I speak to my peer. And in the military, I do the same thing. If, if a lieutenant colonel walks in or a major walks in or even a general, perhaps, and gets an opportunity to, to have a conversation with you, you're going to have a different conversation with them than you will with uh, other people who are non-commissioned officers. So it is, it is unique and different. And there is also that inherent respect that you get from wearing your, what I call your rank. So mm -hmm. we have this uh, inherent respect for rank. And even if you're not a high level rank, but yet you might be an expert marksman when it comes to shooting. 
uh, or things like that, then you have a certain level of respect given to you. So it is unique and it is different. And I want to take this to uh, another question, Julie, to ask you, because I feel like it's going to really hit home for our audience. And if you're an organization out there, and I'm going to put a sec, uh, just a side note, if you're an organization out there, you know how hard it is to find good talent right now. You know how difficult it is to find individuals that want to stay and work with you. And so I believe if you're a head of HR, if you're a C-suite executive, this book will give you more profound insight and how to build the right culture at your environment to keep the right people on your team. And we've noticed right now during, the, the, during this healthcare pandemic, we've noticed a couple of things. And Julie, I have two questions for you. How can organizations apply the seven forms of respect to ensure a greater working environment, an environment built with respect to make sure that employees feel heard, they feel validated, so they won't leave. That's number one. And then number two, what are you seeing from organizations that have incorporated your training? What have you seen from them and how have they benefited from that? Okay, so there are three levels to the um, to applying to some forms of respect. There's me as the individual, there's me as a member of a team or a department, and then there's the company. And the, the prioritized forms of respect can shift because there's what I like, just me personally. And I may adjust, I probably will adjust when it's on the team, when I'm on the team. And that might depend on oftentimes, oftentimes the forms, the prioritized forms of respect depend on the leader and what the leader likes, right? And so think about the team leader might also be different from the CEO, right? And so I think of that as the, the forms of respect that are prioritized at the company, that's the national language. And then in different departments or different teams, those are regional dialects. And then there's the individual. And so the people who are going to be most successful in the company are actually those who can navigate, who can adapt, who can be, um, can be multilingual and who can flow. And from a company perspective, from an organization perspective, it's important to understand and to be able to communicate what are the forms of respect that we prioritize as a company and then here on this, on this team. We don't have to do all of them because that can actually be really, sometimes they can actually come in conflict with one another, right? So for example, punctuality, which is about time constraints, it's just you start and end a meeting on time. And for other people, attention, I'm just listening to you. And we take the time we need, right? I'm just listening. I'm not even looking at my watch. Even so for some people looking at your watch is like, oh my gosh, you're not paying attention if you're looking at your watch, right? <laughs> and so that can bump. And so you can say, hey, in this, is that culture going to prioritize attention over punctuality? You just have to be able to be unapologetic about what that is. Because what that means for recruitment and for retention is to be able to describe the culture more accurately. Hey, you're coming into, I worked at a big tech company and I could say attention was super low um, and uh, punctuality was super low <laughs> and candor was super high um, and acknowledgement was super high. And to be able to say, these are the things we prioritize and that these are the things that we don't prioritize. And that will help people understand this is how you behave. This is how we behave here. This is, that's what I can expect. Because um, otherwise, people, if they don't understand that, they may feel disrespected all the time. And what they don't understand is, oh, it's because there are just certain forms of respect here that are prioritized and others that aren't. And it's just about getting clear. 
that's, I think that is people oftentimes they just want clarity and they want to know like, what am I getting into and how much am I going to have to stretch? Oh no, I'm going to, I'm going to snap if I have to keep doing that. Right. It's not going to work for me because actually multi people multitasking in a meeting is going to kill me. <laughs> I'm, and, and that's not acceptable. And so to be able to have people understand that, I think will help a lot in terms of the recruitment and in terms of the retention, in terms of people feeling included because they know then, oh, this is, this is what's prioritized here. This is how much I can change or like expect to, expect to adapt. Um, and then and for the second one of, well, what have companies, what have, um, what have our clients seen? And, and it's just greater clarity. And then, so what we, when we work with teams, it's like, we help them, uh, we'll evaluate, okay, what are we, what are the existing forms of respect on the team right now, from the company right now? And because everyone, we survey everyone, it's not just the leader. And sometimes with existing, what we'll see the leader say is like, oh, it's so great that the existing ones are my forms of respect. Oh, I wonder why that is, <laughs> right? And then we have a conversation about, well, what are the ideal forms of respect that you, or what are the forms of respect that you need and that are lacking? And then third question, we'll have, we'll then talk about the company, but like the, the nature of the work, what is, um, uh, what is needed for the nature of the work. And then we ask people, what are the forms, what are the top, let's rank, what are the top three forms of respect that you need to accomplish your shared work together? Because when we are, when we're at work, we, we are together for a shared mission, for a shared purpose, and it's to serve that. And so maybe whatever my personal preferences are, I can put that aside to serve that, that mission. And then to have clarity. And, some, and so we'll see um, with some orgs, oftentimes it's actually like, oh, they've got two of this of forms of respect that are like, yeah, this is serving, but like this third one that we are prioritizing is not actually, or that we are, that is existing right now and that we're pri currently prioritizing doesn't actually service. And actually what we need more of is this other one and to, uh, to be explicit about that. And then also to have um, explicit conversations around what that means. Because even within each form, there's there are variations. So for example, I was just with the team the other day and they said, we need to have more attention, but it's okay to interrupt each other. That's okay. But we really need to, we really need to put away our devices because people are seeing us do that. They're seeing us not turn on our camera. We need to model this and we are not modeling it now, but it's okay to interrupt. So, you know, there's variations within this too. This is Danny and I, I appreciate that. I think about so many times when I speak with my clients or Dave and I will speak with different organizations, I will tell you they absolutely, without a doubt, can learn and take advantage by really understanding the seven forms of respect. And it's not just understanding it, it's learning how to apply it. And I love that. I really do believe that a lot of organizations are amazing and can continue to grow, but they need to be more aware. And I think this yep. book can really, when applied, make a big difference within that organization. And in fact, could possibly help them stand out amongst the competition. What are your thoughts on that, Julie? Yes, I, I think that it will bring so much clarity because right now, 
there are lots of organizations like we have a great culture and we're innovative, we're kind, we're respectful. And it's like, well, but what does that look like? How do you behave? How do you behave? Because that brings that specificity that people need. People want clarity. And they also, they want to know that things can change and that it can be dynamic and how to have the conversations around that. Because again, this framework is about sparking conversations so that you can spark understanding and trust. And so it's not just, hey, we will always do this. It's just like right now in this stage of the work, this is what we need to do. These are the forms of respect that we're going to practice. Let's have a conversation about why. This is David. And I want to thank you for what you've shared today. This has been such an eye-opening experience. I love that we've been able to dive deeper into what is respect. And as we think about your framework, Doc, as we think about what you're providing, you're really getting people to engage. You're getting people to have conversations, not just about going to your office, sitting in your cubicle and saying, don't bother me or shutting your door, don't bother me, just get your work done. No, we're trying to create a culture where we embrace curiosity, where we embrace the human experience, when we say we can share stories to understand who we are so that ultimately we create a harmonious environment where people want to work together. They want to be together. So I want to thank Julie for sharing that we can understand that goes beyond the golden rule. It goes beyond just the platinum rule. We're not going to be embracing the rubber band. We're going to be flexible. We're going to prioritize the seven in our own personal lives and how we frame dealing with others around us. So let's ask questions and don't shy Whenever you have a coworker, your spouse, or someone come to you say, hey, you got a second, can we speak? That's a good sign. There's not one to be afraid of. To learn more about Dr. Julie Pham and her book and her work, visit curiositybase.com. Make sure you pick up a copy of her latest book, The Seven Forms of Respect, a guide to transforming your communication and relationships at work. She's also been gracious enough for our listening audience that she's gonna provide a gift. If you want to, you could go to her site, formsofrespect.com forward slash course, and you're going to get a resource. And that resource is your 20-minute guide to asking for the respect that you want. If only we had this in our marriages. If only we had this. Oh, wait a second. We do. It's called her book. So <laughs> pick up her book and be sure to grow, and you'll see an impact instantly in your life and in that of your organization. Dr. Julie Pham, thank you for joining my twin and I on Twins Talk It Up. Thank you so much, David. So much, Danny. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at DSP Leadership and visit us online at dspleadershipgroup.com to learn more about our workshops and trainings. We will see you on the next episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast.